focus on headline. And let's take a look at what major issues are making the headlines today on Focus on Headline. For this, uh, joining us in the studio today, we have our reporters Han Dan and Lee Jiang. Guys, welcome back. Good evening. Good evening. All right, guys, uh, we're going to start things off with uh, President Yoon Suk-yeol having held a summit meeting with uh, Chinese President Xi Jinping on the sidelines of the G20 summit in Bali. Uh, there, the two leaders having agreed to improve bilateral ties. Uh, this based on mutual respect and interest. But uh, reading between the lines, yeah, there was quite a big gap uh, when it comes to their diplomatic policy. So, uh, Talon, start us off. Uh, what did they discuss there? Well, judging from the two leaders' foreign policy directions, they're not on the same page on a number of pressing issues. But the talks mark the first summit between South Korea and China in three years. And this alone is being perceived as a sign that the two countries are making efforts efforts to improve ties. President Xi has refrained from holding summits with other world leaders due to COVID-19 pandemic situation in China. But it's no secret that the THAAD conflict has effectively kept Seoul and Beijing apart in recent years. During the summit that lasted for 25 minutes, President Yoon and President Xi discussed ways to improve bilateral relations and brushed upon pending regional issues. Yoon said that he looks forward to working together for peace peace and stability on the Korean Peninsula and promoting economic exchanges and also seek cooperation on global issues such as climate change and energy security. Xi, during his opening remarks, described the two countries as close neighbors and inseparable partners who share an important responsibility and broad interests in maintaining regional peace and promoting global prosperity. But they placed focus on different points. Yun emphasized that Korea's foreign policy is based on universal values and international norms that China and that China's role in East Asia and the international community is very important, which is widely interpreted as his call on China to uphold the universal values. On the other hand, she indirectly voiced opposition to Korea's latest bonding with the U.S. across various areas like the supply chain and security cooperation, stressing that Seoul and Beijing should strengthen communication and cooperation for true multilateralism. Now, multilateralism is a term China uses in contrast to U.S.-led groupings such as the Quad Forum or the AUKUS, a trilateral security pact between the U.S., Australia, and the U.K. According to China's state-run Central TV, she also urged Yun that Seoul and Beijing should guarantee smooth flow of global industry networks and supply chain together in an apparent move to convince Korea not to join moves to exclude China from them. On North Korea issues, Yoon expressed hope that China, as a permanent member of the UN Security Council and a neighboring country, uh, will play a more active and constructive role. But the summit did not draw a a decisive remarks from China. Instead, she showed support for Yoon's audacious plan that promises large-scale economic support, saying China will cooperate if there's a positive response from Pyongyang. Yeah, again, uh, this uh, summit talk between the 
to two leaders here. It was kind of uh, put into schedule almost last minute, and we were saying that this was going to be a crucial meeting. Uh, something to note here, I mean, it was only 25 minutes that the two leaders kind of held the talk, uh, so also much that the uh, President Yoon and uh, President Xi can really discuss. But again, China has kind of been over the past few months now, they knew that with the current Yoon administration that they were going to lean more towards uh, the U.S. and the Biden administration. And so they've been doing... I would say their best to try to keep them from straying completely over to the United States. But as we've seen, uh, you know, the South Korea still needs to keep China very close for a number of reasons. And especially with uh, the current state of the Korean Peninsula, with North Korea's continued provocations and a possible nuclear uh, test, they need China's role in that. But uh, there is going to be some differences, uh, obviously, when it comes to diplomacy issues. And I'm surprised that 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 issue uh, wasn't discussed as well, but only 25 minutes of discussion, right? Uh, nevertheless, President Yoon returning home this morning after wrapping up his six-day trip to Southeast Asia. Let's also get a quick re- recap of his trip and uh, also his upcoming summits. Right. President Yoon stayed in Phnom Penh, Cambodia over the weekend to attend a series of summits involving ASEAN nations, including the ASEAN Plus 3 and the uh, East Asia Summit. There, he deepened ties with the bloc and unveiled Korea's own Indo-Pacific strategy, garnering global support. Also in the Cambodian capital, the president held talks with leaders of the U.S. and Japan, where the three sides reaffirmed their strong security ties and agreed to boost extended deterrence against evolving North Korea threats. Then he flew to Bali to attend the G20 summit, where he urged member nations to refrain from excessive protectionism in the food, energy and security sector and instead seek solidarity and cooperation. The rush of diplomacy doesn't end there. He's expected to hold a summit with visiting Dutch Prime Minister Mark Rutte on Thursday and with Spanish Prime Minister Pedro Sanchez on Friday. The presidential office is also reportedly arranging talks between President Yoon and Saudi Arabia's crown prince Mohammed. Mohammed bin Salman, who's expected to visit Seoul this Thursday. Now, of course, as uh, world leaders uh, met over in Bali for this uh, G20 summit, uh, Russia's invasion of Ukraine took the main stage. Uh, Indonesian President Joko Widodo, who hosted the summit, called on leaders not to fall into another Cold War. Now, Chiang, can you tell us more about some of the key issues that were also covered in the meeting there? Sure. Now, under the theme Rick, Recover Together, Recover Stronger. The meeting's agendas include food, energy security, health, and digital transformation. But the main topic was, of course, Russia's war on Ukraine. Now, on the second day of the summit, on uh, Wednesday, the schedule was disrupted by an emergency meeting to discuss reports of a missile landing in Polish territory near Ukraine. Uh, It's a push to condemn Russia's invasion of Ukraine uh, dominated uh, Tuesday's talk, which was the first day of the summit. Now, Indonesian President uh, Joko Widodo called on member states to end the conflict in his opening speech on Tuesday. And he said that the G20 must be the catalyst for inclusive economic recovery and that we must not divide the world into parts and we must allow the world to fall into what mustn't allow the world to fall into another Cold War. Now, Ukrainian President Vladimir uh, Zelensky also gave a speech via video to the summit and at Widodo's request. And uh, he called on G20 leaders to become a co-creator of peace and 
also end Russia's aggressive war. Uh, Zelensky said in a video video address that uh, he is convinced now is the time when the Russian destructive war must and can be stopped, and that every day of delay means new deaths of Ukrainians, new threats to the world, and an insane increase in losses due to continuation of Russian aggression, losses for everyone in the world. Now, when President Zelensky spoke, Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov, who visited Bali on behalf of President Vladimir Putin, stayed in his hotel and didn't listen to the speech. Now, Chinese officials have largely refrained from public criticism of Russia's war, but uh, Chinese President Xi Jinping told G20 leaders uh, the global economy should not be weaponized and that we must resolutely oppose the attempt to politicize food and energy issues or use them as tools and weapons. That's right. I mean, you know, even before the uh, the G20 summit uh, kicked off, uh, there were, first of all, there were anticipation or expectation maybe that uh, Russian President Vladimir Putin was going to take part. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he openly stated that if, because there was also talks that Zelensky might be invited to the mm-hmm. G20 summit or he's going to be participating uh, maybe virtually, as we saw with the, uh, the video speech here, uh, that he would not attend if Zelensky is anyway uh, part of this. I think he didn't come to the G20 summit much for a bigger reason than that at mm-hmm. this time. Uh, if he would have came, and there was a lot of talks about uh, world leaders potentially boycotting uh, a lot of the events where uh, Putin was going to be there. But it's true right now, we talked about the Black Sea uh, blockade before where there, uh, you know, the Western countries have accused Russia of politicizing food. Uh, we know about the energy crisis that's going on right now. But uh, the fact is, uh, this war is ongoing right now. Now, the leaders of the G20 also drafting a declaration to maintain pressure on Moscow uh, over its nine-month war that has devastated uh, Ukraine this year. And, uh, of course, a royal the global economy. Jiang, can you tell us about some of the details that were included in the draft? Sure. Now, the draft declaration echoes the uh, condemnation of Russia's war on Ukraine by the United Nations while acknowledging uh, differing views among members. Now, the 16-page document had yet to be adopted by uh, the G20 members. Uh, but the biggest concern is whether the G20 leaders can come together and adopt a joint declaration. Uh, Many experts predict that it would be difficult to adopt uh, this declaration because Western countries like the United States want to include content condemning Russia's invasion of Ukraine in the declaration, but it's likely that Russia, China, and India will oppose it. Now, DPA news agency and Reuters said that they had obtained a draft of the declaration, which included uh, phrases strongly condemning the uh, war in Ukraine. Um, And Reuters said that there were also other views and different assessments of the situations and sanctions. And according to DPA, for Russia to even approve for such a draft declaration may indicate that Russia can no longer rely on the support of China, who has been a strong ally within the G20 to Russia uh, on the Ukraine issue. So it depends on where China will stand depending on whether the declaration will be um, uh, uh, confirmed. Yeah, and so, you know, we talked about in the past how there's been, like, teams forming, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, it seems like so far uh, it's 
pretty much Russia, China, and North Korea. Mm-hmm. North Korea is like the only country where they've openly shown uh, support for Russia, uh, even for some of the uh, the Russian-controlled states. Uh, and, uh, you know, basically uh, North Korea coming out saying that we recognize them as Russian states, uh, Russian territory, and so forth. But China has been like very ambiguous, right? Like they don't want to get too close to Russia and uh, be too open about their support for Russia. The only, and even though, uh, even during like the UNSC resolutions where they vetoed uh, basically Russian uh, resolution. They basically said, basically, like, it's not going to work, so what's the point of sanctioning them? It was their argument. Instead of just going, they're our allies, and we're going to use our veto power, and we don't want any kind of resolutions against Russia, or even North Korea, uh, they just basically say, well, these sanctions don't even work, so what's the point here? Uh, that's their excuse. And so, But China, they're, they're, they're straying slightly away from Russia right now, and mm-hmm. I think uh, they're thinking about their economy as well, if they start, you know, slapping China for, uh, you know, having ties with Russia, I mean, it, their economy is already uh, kind of uh, in a turmoil right now. Mm-hmm. The last thing they need is is, is uh, economic sanctions. Uh, in the meantime, Russia, having launched its biggest wave of missile attacks on Ukrainian cities in more than a month on Tuesday, uh, shutting down electricity across seven million homes damaging 15 energy facilities. Uh, there's definitely reasons for why they're targeting these facilities. Uh, Tan, let's get the latest developments. Right. Russia launched ne- nearly 100 missiles into Ukraine, targeting power infrastructure in several regions of the country. Now, this left more than 7 million households without power and the supply of the country's electricity in a critical condition, according to senior Ukrainian officials. Internet connection was also seriously disrupted with wireless connections across the country dropping by nearly 70%, according to local sources. Local authorities said that 15 facilities of Ukraine's energy infrastructure had been damaged during the Russian missile strikes, but Ukrainian air defenses had shot down 70 of more than 90 missiles fired at Ukraine. The wave of strikes was the largest since October 10th when Russia stepped up its campaign to destroy electricity, water and gas infrastructure across Ukraine. In a video message posted on Telegram, uh, Zelensky said that 85 missile strikes had been launched. Uh, and warn there may be more to come. It's a scale much larger than the missile strikes we saw after the partial explosion of the Kirk Bridge connecting Russia and the Crimean Peninsula. Russia's latest strike came just a few days after its humiliating retreat from Kherson, a fresh blow to Moscow as Kherson was the only regional capital uh, Russian troops captured since the Kremlin's full-scale invasion began in February. It was one of the four Ukrainian regions illegally annexed by Russia uh, just less than two months ago. That's right. And the, uh, the missile strike also follows President Vladimir Zelensky's virtual speech uh, to the G20 summit member nations, as we mentioned earlier on the program. Let's actually go into that very speech. Uh, what exactly was his message there? Well, in the video speech, Zelensky set out a proposal ending the Russian invasion that involves a 10-step peace plan that lays out a path to nuclear safety, food security, and a final peace treaty with Russia. Uh, He pleaded for an extension of a Ukrainian grain export deal due to expire soon to achieve this. He also asked for additional military assistance from Ukraine's allies 
and uh, price restrictions on Russian energy exports uh, such that uh, Russia cannot profit from them. He also stressed that he's convinced now is the time when the Russian destructive war must and can be stopped. Uh, obviously, uh, no one, I think, I think even Russia themselves uh, did not think that this war in Ukraine was going to last nine months and mm-hmm. ongoing right now. They thought it was going to be in and out. Uh, but uh, again, you know, Ukraine has been getting a lot of support from the Western country, which is why this has been prolonged. But the fact is, now what Russia had been saying in the beginning and what they're doing right now just doesn't match. They've been saying that we're not hitting any of these civilian areas. We're not hitting any areas that are uh, populated by people. Uh, They're just randomly shooting missiles right now. And there's a reason why, again, uh, they're firing missiles at these uh, energy facilities there. Uh, But uh, really concerning news. Uh, coming out. Uh, I know, Jiang, I think you briefly mentioned it earlier on. We're going to get more details on this because NATO member country Poland saying that a Russian-made rocket killed two people on Tuesday in eastern Poland near Ukraine. Uh, it summoned Russia's ambassador to Warsaw for an explanation after Moscow basically denied it was responsible here. And uh, this is one of the big concerns that Poland had. And one of the reasons, because they're so close to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, that region there, were a war-torn region, and another reason for why Poland has been really wrapping up their uh, military Uh, weapon imports from South Korea. They've been buying a lot of military weapons from South Mm -hmm. Korea here. Uh, Tell us what exactly happened there. Uh, Yes. Now, the blast came after Russia struck cities across Ukraine with missile attacks that Kiev said were the heaviest wave of strikes nearly nine months into the Russian invasion. Uh, A statement from the Polish foreign ministry identified the missile as being made in Russia, but Poland's president Andrzej Duda was more cautious about its origin, saying that officials did not know for sure who fired it or where it was made. He said it was most probably Russian-made, but that is being still verified. Uh, If confirmed, it would be the first time since the invasion of Ukraine that a Russian weapon came down on a NATO country. That's why there's a big concern, because uh, if uh, Poland, if that's confirmed, then uh, the Western world, other parts of the Western world, including the U.S., may have to step in. Now, findings from initial investigations discussed in the emergency meeting on the sidelines of the G20 summit in Bali, uh, they suggested that the missile may have been fired by Ukraine's air defense systems to destroy a Russian missile filed at the country uh, before landing in Poland. Now, the Russian defense ministry denied being behind any strikes on targets near the Ukrainian-Polish border and said in a statement that photos of the damage have nothing to do with Russian weapons. However, Ukraine's president said the reported strikes in Poland offered proof that terror is not limited by uh, their state of borders and that they need to put the terrorists in place uh, now in its place. Now, the longer Russia's feels uh, in impunity, the more threats they will be for uh, everyone within the reach of Russian missiles. Now, investigations are still ongoing and no final conclusion has been drawn. Uh, But U.S. President Joe Biden said after the emergency um, leaders meeting that it was 
unlikely that the missile had been fired from uh, Russia. And Biden called Polish President Duda to express his deep condolences for the loss of life. And Biden promised on Twitter full U.S. support for and assistance with uh, Poland's investigation. And he also reaffirmed the United States' ironclad commitment on NATO. Now, NATO ambassadors will hold a meeting on the Alliance Council on Wednesday, local time, to the discuss the incident. Now, this is obviously going to be the biggest mystery right now. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, Russia, obviously, they're going to come out and say that uh, they are not responsible for this. I think they were like the quickest to respond to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you would have assumed that if there are some kind of evidence that it was Russian-made missile, that, uh, you know, President Joe Biden, who has been very vocal throughout the uh, entire nine months of the Russian invasion of Ukraine, that he would have also kind of accused uh, Russia of making this attack on mm-hmm. Poland. Uh, but it's kind of the other way around, right? He's just basically, like you said, and it's highly unlikely that uh, it's Russia. Then, then who is it? Then Russia could come out now and basically so you see, this is what we warned about before. Uh, it's probably Ukraine doing it and then making it look like we did it. And then now it's going to just irk the Western countries to get involved with this war and, uh, you know, NATO countries and other Western countries to get more involved with the war. That's probably what Russia is going to say, because Russia has come out before saying that, look, Ukraine is probably going to start using the dirty bomb and then blame it on us. Uh, It is not the first time Russia has made these kind of comments in the past before, but we'll have to see because the uh, the investigation is going. If indeed Russia is responsible for this, oh my goodness, this is going to be major, major stuff right now. But speaking of major stuff, uh, former U.S. President Donald Trump uh, had said before that uh, on November 15th, Uh, He was going to make a big announcement. Uh, I think we all kind of (laughs) knew what this big announcement was going to be. Uh, The 15th came, and uh, he has announced that he is going to be running for president again in 2024. Town, let's get more information on this. Right. Flanked by massive American flags at his Mar-a-Lago club in Florida, he said... Quote unquote, in order to make America great and glorious again, I am tonight announcing my candidacy for president of the United States. The announcement comes just a week after the midterm elections, which saw a lackluster performance from Trump backed Republican candidates in key Senate and House races. Uh, This is Trump's third attempt uh, following his two previous attempts in 2016 and 2020. He said America's comeback starts right now. Uh, And also he said your country is being destroyed before your eyes. Trump, uh, Trump's running sets up a potential rematch against President Joe Biden, who also said he intends to run for re-election in 2024. Now, the Republican Party is expected to start a fierce battle among presidential hopefuls. Uh, Trump is widely expected to be challenged by both conservative and moderate Republicans. While Trump is uh, counting on an easy path to the GOP nomination with his sustained support among the party's base, his announcement is likely to dash the hopes of party leaders who have longed for fresh talent. Top Republicans have been paying close attention to the next moves of Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, 
who won his re-election contest with a 19-point margin of victory and considerable support from minority and independent voters. CNN analyzes that some Republican leaders may try to scuttle Trump's campaign by encouraging alternative candidates, including DeSantis, who has been quietly laying the groundwork for a possible White House bid of his own. Yeah, so uh, that's just a thing. So during Trump's uh, presidency, uh, not all Republicans were very fond of Trump. Uh, some of the Republicans were basically saying because of Trump that the Republican Party image was being tainted. And so uh, there was even, I believe, one lawmaker who went from being a Republican to a Democrat because uh, I think he no longer wanted to be affiliated with a party that uh, Trump was in. Uh, but we had a chance to talk to uh, Professor Robert Kelly. Uh, was it earlier this week? I think it was Monday when we talked to him uh, in regards to Trump's possibility of Trump running for uh, presidency. And uh, he said, Ron DeSantis is probably going to be the most likely candidate for the Republican Party. But Ron DeSantis is very young and he does not want to go hand in hand and battle against Trump because Trump can get very nasty uh, Mm -hmm. during his campaign pledge where he's probably going to be attacking his family and stuff like that. And so Ron DeSantis probably, uh, because he's young and he has uh, much more uh, opportunity later on, he's probably going to sit back and go, Trump, just go go after it. Uh, Leave me alone. Uh, He's done it. You know, Trump has attacked Ted Cruz before. Uh, and uh, we'll see why uh, this is. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Trump. I mean, we, we saw it coming. Right. I don't think Trump feels that he's actually lost the last presidential election. I really feel like he doesn't believe that he lost. And there's, you know, some voter fraud going on. Uh, let's talk about some uh, brighter news here. And after an absence of uh, about 50 years, NASA uh, returning to the moon, uh, finally launching its Artemis One mission. Uh, For our listeners out there, there's been several delays uh, to the highly anticipated moon mission, whether it be because of maintenance, whether it be because of a hurricane, as we know, uh, Cape Canaveral is over in Florida, so they're they're hurricane prone there. Uh, The SLS rocket lifted and launched at 3.47 p.m. here at Korea Standard Time on Wednesday. Uh, Let's get some updates on this, Cheung. Sure. Now, the American Space Agency, NASA, has launched its biggest ever rocket from Cape Canaveral in Florida. Uh, The 100-meter-tall Artemis vehicle climbed skyward in an amazing mix of light and sound. Uh, After the Apollo made history in 1975, when the space flight first landed humans on the moon, this time the program is named after Artemis, which is the Greek goddess of the moon and twin sister of sun god Apollo. So you may know why that (laughs) they named uh, this program uh, Artemis. But not only is it better fit in terms of the name and destination, Artemis will ensure something uh, Apollo neglected to do. It's per- it has put the first woman on the moon. It will, exactly. Yeah, no, yeah. It has it not yet. So it will put the first woman on the moon. And its objective is to hurl an astronaut capsule in the direction of the moon. And today's flight followed two previous launch attempts in August and September that uh, were aborted during the countdown because of technical glitches. Uh, But such issues were overcome this time, and the space launch system, as uh, the rocket is often called, was given the go to begin its ascent from the Kennedy Space Center at 1.47 local time. Now, the rocket has a number of important maneuvers to perform high above the planet to 
get the uh, to get the Orion capsule on the right path of the moon. Now it will be a couple of hours uh, after uh, lit off before we know whether these tasks have been completely correctly uh, done. And uh, December we we will see NASA celebrate the 50th anniversary of Apollo 17, uh, the very last time humans walked on the moon. And the Artemis program aims to land women and astronauts of color on the south pole of the moon through Artemis 3 in 2025 and 2026, uh, which ultimately, uh, their, which where their ultimate goal is to develop lunar resources on Mars. Yeah, it's, it's kind of almost surprising that they haven't put any man or woman uh, in the moon and, uh, since uh, Apollo 17, was mm-hmm. it? Is that the last? Was it was yes, 75, right. 1975 was the right. last time you would think that with... You know, science and technology right now, they'd be going to the moon every other month or something like that. But also, it also costs a lot of money mm-hmm. uh, to send people there. Also, it's very risky, which is why they're doing three different programs, right? The first one, I, I believe they're using like a, like a fake dummy that is very similar to humans right. or something like that mm-hmm. with like actual like organs inside. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, the second one will be just another trip around orbiting. And the third one, of course, will actually have uh, people uh, land on the moon there. Guys, uh, let, let's move on uh, to what's going to happen tomorrow. Tomorrow is a major, major day for uh, over 500,000 students uh, who are going to be flocking to test sites across the nation. Um, I mean, you know, they, they call it the biggest exam of their lives. Uh, I, I don't like to put it that way. It just puts too much uh, pressure and burden on these students. Uh, it's the college entrance exam. It's called Suning or the CSAT, a college scholastic ability test. All right. There's many things that happen on this day. Tan, what do we know? Uh, what do we have to know before the exam takes place? Right. Nearly 510,000 applicants, including high school seniors and graduates, are expected to take the college scholastic ability test a single-day, five-session exam at 84 test districts nationwide tomorrow. Now, it's the third college entrance exam the country has held since the outbreak of COVID-19 and the first in which applicants who have tested positive will be allowed to leave their homes and hospitals to take the exam on site. Test takers with symptoms of COVID-19 or those infected with the virus will take the exam in separate rooms. The education ministry said it has expanded the number of test sites uh, for COVID patients, uh, exam sites, not not COVID test sites, but the uh, college entrance exam sites for COVID patients, which can accommodate up to 5,000 students who have tested positive. Now, Chiyoung will uh, get to more details on this, but uh, workers at public institutions and large companies are will be required to get to work later than usual at 10 a.m., while extra buses will also be arranged from 6 to 8 a.m. to ensure students' safe arrival in time for the exam, which begins at 8.40 a.m. And you know how it always gets very cold on the day of yeah. the exam? For some reason, it just magically <laughs> in one day. Yes. There's a very scary tale about that, but I won't get to that. 
that uh, because it's unscientific mm-hmm. um, or uh, from the day of the college entrance exam or from the night before but that won't be the case this year uh, temperatures will hover around the seasonal norms tomorrow with uh, morning lows ranging between 0 to 9 degrees Celsius and daytime highs between 14 to 19 degrees Celsius none of you guys took the Sunung exam right uh, I, I took no. it three times you took it three <laughs> yeah. times three right. times yes, my third goodness. one was the tar- charm thank you very much oh, so you you exactly you know <laughs> the pressure and oh the, uh, yeah the pressure and the the cold the but uh yeah it's the day before is actually not that nerve-wracking because you actually have to go to the site the day before so there's a kind of like a mock-up kind of right, thing so right. you have to check before so uh so for people who are late on that day is usually it's not because they can't find the place it's because they're they they slept in <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. and i'm sure like i mean you know because you've taken it three times it's there's more pressure each time that you take it obviously oh, yeah. because you don't want another year of studying uh and things like that i mean there's there's just so much uh, pressure here. And this college entrance exam, CSAT or mm-hmm. Sunung in Korean, it is a very important event for the students. But also, basically, the, the entire country gets involved right. with making sure that all the students are able to get there in time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so every year, authorities heighten security measures. Uh, there's fight, uh, flight delays. I know that when there's like the listening portion of the <laughs> English, right. no planes are allowed to be in disguise uh, when <laughs> that happens. So we make every little detailed measures to ensure that they take the test here. And this year, of course, no exception. Uh, Chiang, let's get more on this. Uh, sure. Now, authorities will impose, as you mentioned, heightened security measures across South Korea on November 17th for the Suning. And more than 500,000 students are taking the uh, university uh, exam. Um, and uh, additional police officers will likely deploy along the routes. Um, also, hotels are providing accommodation for test takers who are from remote areas such as Ulungdu to stay at their hotel free of charge so they can make it on time for their test. And of course, the hotel fee will be supported by the local governments. Uh, hospitals are also creating test venues within their facilities so that patients can take the test in the hospital without compromising their health and others. Uh, labor groups and organizations uh, for the disabled will also postpone their strikes or protests. Um, and for the test takers on the day um, of the college exen- entrance exam, uh, the commute hours for public organizations, as you mentioned, will be uh, at 10 a.m. delayed uh, and public transportations and also they will be extended. Now, the stock market uh, is also not an exception. They yeah. will also open an hour later at from 10 up a.m. and they will close at 4.30 p.m. Um, flights will likely not take off or land during the listening test segment, which is 1.05 in the afternoon to 1.40. And airlines could reschedule domestic and international flights. Uh, minor business disruptions, disruptions are possible near exam venues, so employees could face travel delays and um, increase absenteeism if possible. Uh, now, if you're commuting or doing business tomorrow, uh, just allow some additional travel time and if you're taking the test tomorrow, um, good luck. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, we are located actually very close to a test site over at uh, uh, the Seoul High School. And so I remember every year coming to, uh, you know, work early in uh, early in the morning. 
there's always, you know, again, you know, some kids who kind of maybe slept in, they're running late, and then they have the police officers. And the police officers, basically, there's a number of them, not just in the, the police car cruisers, but many of them are in the motorcycles, right? Mm-hmm. And so you see these kids with the helmet on, you know, they have the extra helmet uh, that's provided by the uh, the police officers, and they're on their back, and they're trying to go. And there's a lot of people doing different volunteer stuff. I know there's, like, taxi drivers, mm-hmm. uh, private taxi drivers who uh, give free rides to anyone who might be running a little bit late. Uh, I've seen people in uh, these motorcycle clubs. (laughs) (laughs) Motorcycle clubs are doing their part in finding people who... Like are waiting for like taxis or something like you can mm-hmm. tell they're running late mm-hmm. and they're basically they have an extra helmet they take these kids to uh, wherever because oh, you know this is so heartwarming I, it's it's incredible mm-hmm. uh, and then we said you know the the entire country basically right. uh, gets in, involved in, is involved yeah. with this uh, we got a lot of messages from our listeners who are wishing all of the test takers uh, uh, best their best of luck and yeah uh, best of luck and uh, you know they say it's, it's a make or break exam no 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 because. Uh, as Chiyoung is uh, showing to prove, <laughs> there's always a second time and the third, third time, time, and she's doing great for herself. So, you know, it doesn't matter. There's Don't put too much pressure right. on yourself, guys. All right, mm-hmm. uh, Chiyoung and Tan, thank you very much for coming in today with your report. Stay safe, and we'll see you guys again. Thank, thank you. You can listen to Korea Now with me, SJ Lee, by downloading the Arirang Radio application, or tune in online by visiting www.arirangradio.com. So make sure you tune in Mondays through Fridays, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Korea time.